Hey guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. Welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week, a really exciting topic and a really exciting guest on the show. Uh, a reminder that the show is powered by Zbuni. Zbuni app gives businesses free tools to run, start, and grow online, accept payments, build an e-store, create mobile invoices in minutes. While the interview is brought to you by Zbuni, the guest stories told are their own. In July 2020, Faraz Jalbut founded Baraka, UAE-based startup, on a mission to connect young urban millennials to numerous investment opportunities. The CEO himself is a serial investor turned entrepreneur, and he's on a mission to educate and empower first-time investors who want to take full control of the portfolio and which choose stocks and companies and put their money uh, through Baraka. So we'll be discussing this, their story, the investment market and its boom at the moment in the last two years in the millennium sector and what the future looks like. So good morning for us. Good morning, Richard. Thanks for joining us and nice to speak to you. And uh, yes, tell us, you, for those listening on the podcast, they can't see, but you're working remotely with lots of books behind you. How long, <laughs> how long have, you, have you done this startup from, from your current abode? Yes, and I haven't read all these books. <laughs> but uh, yes, I have done this. Uh, it's funny, actually, we started July 2020, like you mentioned, in the heart of COVID in this room. Uh, all over Zoom, uh, and uh, we got used to kind of living in the in the virtual realm. We've just moved into our office now, and now we're spending a couple of days a week in the office as well. So, uh, mixing it up a bit. Uh, yeah. Uh, now. How was it uh, starting off? Like, we did you think it was good timing, and were you able to kind of uh, raise funds and meet people and hire people remotely? And how was that? Look, I mean, it was it was a different experience, right? We, uh, you know, last year around March, COVID really started, uh, you know, hitting uh, the the world and and the markets, you know. And it was interesting for me, as a bystander watching watching what was happening in the markets, right? Uh, COVID was having you know a terrible effect on the economy, and the markets really dipped for a long period of time. You know, they kind of fell, you know, at some point at thirty percent below their peak. And while that was happening, they started recovering very rapidly you know, after, after, um, after this economic downfall. And so you started seeing the shift in, in behavior and investing behavior. And so I was watching that from here um, and thinking, wow, you know, there, there seems to be a, a structural shift happening in retail investing. And uh, it kind of spurred this idea about why, you know, why, can, you know, why can't we have this kind of great product offering in, in our market? And that's how that's kind of the the basis of getting started essentially and so we we started in the heart of the pandemic i basically uh uh started having conversations about uh about you know funding this kind of business during covid which was crazy in and of itself and uh basically we just just start got started uh like that and uh, everything like you mentioned was done over zoom hired the team over zoom raised money over zoom um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, it was incredibly efficient because Zoom is incredibly efficient, but it was weird not having that kind of human touch. I used to be an investor and we would never invest in anything that we, you know, 
a person that we couldn't meet or, you know, a, a business that we couldn't go and touch. And the world changed, you know, it, it all com it completely changed. And so we got used to that virtual, uh, virtual world very quickly. And so here we are. Amazing. We're now adjusting to the physical world. <laughs> Getting back to normal. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Uh, wow. So, but finance, fintech, investments, uh, such a big space, such a behemoth of an industry. Uh, how did you approach it? Like, how did you, you know, what was your kind of, way of looking at this and how did you kind of enter a startup into this space? I think, um, you know, I've always been really interested in this space. So I, I've, you know, I've been investing for many years, uh, maybe 12, 13, 14 years. And, um, that was with, um, with venture firms or was it that as well as a day job and kind of, uh, like retail investing? So I spent about 10 years or so on the asset management side. So I was, I was in uh, with a couple of private banks in the region and we were doing a lot of asset management um, for high net worth clients. Um, and so this was, you know, in public markets and, and, you know, those kinds of investments. And then the last five years I spent at a family office slash VC and we did a lot of alternative uh, uh, investing. So alternative investment uh, classes and so I've been, I've been doing this professionally and personally for quite a while. And, you know, I, uh, I, it's a, it's a real passion of mine. And when I thought about what I wanted to do next after kind of spending that, that much time in investing, it was investing. And, you know, it, then it became actually, well, what, what can you do in investing? And when we looked at the trend of what was happening around the world, thought about there's a, there's, you know, there's a structural, structural shift happening in, uh, in retail investing. And we need to do something in the region because you know it's not going to stop. You know this is this is a this is a secular trend. This is this is taking shape. We've got amazing demographics in the region. Seventy percent of the population is under the age of thirty. It's pretty incredible. And for the the kinds of products that we have, we're just not you know at that time. Now it's increasing quite rapidly. A lot of competition is emerging, but there's just an incredible opportunity to serve the people of the region with you know, world-class products. And that's really what we set out to do. Okay. So, uh, the status quo before your solution, uh, in terms of, if we just focus on say retail investment, as opposed to sort of, uh, angel or, or seed or, or venture, we talk about the public markets or even alternative, uh, up until now there might be stockbrokers and there might be, uh, financial products provided at a retail level by, uh, well-known financial institutions or specialist banks is is that what it was and and there were some of those available in the market uh is that how the status quo was and what was the sort of problem or why why isn't that enough i think there i think there there's other providers in the market offering varying services right some are you know robo advisors some are kind of retirement planners some have you know there are a couple of stock trading or investment platforms. Uh, but I think the gap that we're really trying to fill is one that encompasses several different uh, areas. And it's not just having an investment platform. It's having, you know, providing educational content. It's, you know, creating a community for people to actually to discuss investments with one another. When we really, when we kind of, when we surveyed the market, it wasn't just about the platform. It was, it was really about this all-encompassing offering where investors could build their confidence, you know, uh, really start to understand what they were doing, 
uh, in the markets. It wasn't just, hey, give me, you know, you know, like a, a very kind of basic uh, uh, kind of long-term uh, investment plan where you give somebody your financial advisor uh, a few hundred dollars a month and, and that builds over time. What we want to do is educate people or, hel or help them really start to understand what, 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 they, what they need to do to take, take a, yeah. their financial future in their own hands. That's a big part of our proposition. And so we didn't see that. We didn't see that in the market. So um, this is, you know, uh, a, a big part of our mission is, is to provide that. Yeah, to educate people on money and, and how to make informed decisions. And that's very clearly evidence for people who follow your excellent newsletters and your content. And uh, it's really nice proposition. You know, um, it's very, you know, a lot of kind of respect to how you guys have gone about that and how you've positioned and packaged the, the company. Um, related to that, the Baraka, my minimal Arabic, does that mean blessings? And how does that relate to where did the name come from? Yes, the name means blessing. I mean, it's often associated with the financial blessing where, where you know, um, you know, in Islamic or Arabic culture, uh, oftentimes you say, you know, this is kind of, uh, this has been blessed upon me, you know, for, for whatever reason. And so we think it's, uh, we think there's a good meaning there. Yeah. Nice. Um, and uh, what we really want people, people to just get invested, right? Get invested and, you know, hopefully that financial blessing will be bestowed upon you in some way, shape or form, but you, you've got to do your part and you've got to get invested. Yeah. Uh, and so that's kind of how we think about it. Excellent. I mean, I, I get it. it. Cool. So, but for us, so if I'm setting up a, a, a financial advisory, like a wealth management firm is one thing, if I'm setting up a brokerage or I'm setting up a private bank, uh, which handles say high net worth. Uh, obviously there's barriers to entry there. There's licenses, it's highly regulated. So is that, is that why, like, uh, to, you know, to be blunt, why isn't there a Robin Hood in the region up until now in terms of what are the barriers that one would have to go about to setting up a Robin Hood? I think there are barriers around regulation, but they're, I mean, they're not quite barriers i'd say they're they're more about steps. just status yeah they're just steps that you have to pass through and and they're primarily built for uh for ensuring customer safety in in various ways and so that you know you've everybody has to follow these steps so we work closely with with the regulator here to you know follow those steps and and, and get fully approved and that's for the benefit of the for the end consumer and so you know i wouldn't call it a barrier i just say that we have to go down this this process to to make it happen um, and why haven't we seen a Robin Hood? I'm not sure. You know, I, that, that's a good question. Uh, I think that uh, in some ways the market has uh, uh, potentially been neglected by by you know some some providers. Um, and you know whether you see one or not, you know, th th there's a lot of new businesses coming online that will address certain uh, opportunities in the market. And we, you know, we, we'll look to fill some of that ourselves, you know, by this, the products that we offer. Will you, will you go around the same way? So effectively, if I'm a customer and I'm on your waiting list now, which I think there's a lot of, lot of people who are on the waiting list for the, for the app and I sign up and I put money into trades, technically, how does that work? There's been a lot of discussion around, you know, for people who follow the, the stocks in the recent months around GameStop and, a lot of terminology around Robin Hoods uh, and the, the different types of way that they trade uh, and how they're kind of set up is 
are, are you for us essentially setting up a financial bank that can trade currency or are you somewhere uh, in between? We're setting up a, uh, an investment platform to uh, uh, invest in uh, stocks and ETFs, uh, either you know, in whole shares or fractional. And so we'll have over 4,000 securities when we launch. There's a, you know, a wide universe there for people to invest in. Um, and so that, that'll be our starting, our, our, our uh, first product that we launch. Okay, can you explain some of those securities? So uh, types of stocks and ETFs that will be there? Yeah, so, uh, you know, they'll be all US uh, initially. Um, and you'll have a, a, a wide platform to choose from. So we'll have all of the iShares, uh, ETFs, all of the vanguards, all of the most basic ones that track the market. So if you're an investor that just wants to track the performance of the market and you want to be buying the S&P 500 ETF on a monthly basis uh, or on a yearly basis or whatever, on, you know, as a means to kind of uh, uh, track that performance, a very, you know, a very viable strategy that a lot of people follow uh, we're going to make that available to you. So you can buy those ETFs and you can hold them and they're real ETFs. And you'll, you know, in, in the case in some stocks where, where they pay dividends, you will earn those dividends as well. Okay. Um, and then in, in, other than that, you know, we've got, um, we've got some, some thematic ETFs that range, you know, about robotics and space and, you know, artificial intelligence and water, and, you know, all of these, you know, new themes that are emerging, which are vitally important to our demographic. Uh, and then, of course, you've got single stocks that, you know, range, uh, you know, the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ as well. So all mm. of your uh, FANG stocks and, and, and uh, others as well. Okay, so basically a lot, of the, uh, a lot of the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, that's what will be available to people here on Baraka. Correct. Initially, that's, that's, that's right. Correct. Okay. And uh, it's fascinating. I want to talk about this region and, and what's available as well. But uh, just touching back on the kind of um, the narrative around Robin Hood and around uh, liquidity issues and things like that is, is, is that something that you've considered and structurally, is that the type of platform that you will be setting up as well? It's a, it's kind of a loaded question. I mean, I think, I think what you're asking is, um, do we have an investment platform that looks and feels like Robinhood and ha gives you access to the same kinds of underlying securities? Yes, there's probably some similarities from that perspective. Do we, and then you mentioned liquidity. I, I think I, I, you're touching on kind of uh, leverage and, and, and margin, if I, if, I, if I understood that correctly. Do we offer kind of th those kinds of services? No, you know, initially we will not offer margin and, and uh, and derivatives uh, and and that kind of thing on our on our platform. Our platform is a is essentially uh, you know an, an investment platform that where people put in their own money and they you know they invest accordingly. You know, the likes of Robinhood and some others. Um, uh, there's some instances where you put in uh, ten dollars and get a hundred in leverage, and that creates a potential uh, scenario where uh, could negatively affect the uh the end consumer if they're if they're not careful with how they uh how yeah. they uh invest so we take a different approach uh, we're taking a different approach initially okay i think more so uh, just trying to understand it a bit more in in layman's terms and technically in terms of uh 
you know, traditionally, if if someone had a stockbroker, they would pay them a fee. Uh, if they have, if they qualify for a wealth management uh, firm, they would pay fees. And then it goes down to the retail level where there are uh, lesser fees, which people might know of. So there might be apps and banks that are available in this region, and there might be fees of 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 per transaction. And what's happened uh, in other markets is those fees don't exist anymore. So they've attracted, I think Robinhood has 15 or 20 million monthly or daily retail traders or active traders, which is a huge cohort. It's, a, it's an amazing number in it. In a, in a 52 state with the same population as the 22 Arabic speaking countries here. So that's a, that's a big number of people who trade daily for no fees, which is amazing. And you're into, you're into a really good uh, thing. However, why are there no fees and what does, is that sustainable? Well, in the case of Robinhood and some other platforms, there's a there's been an emergence of a, of a, of a new kind of revenue stream that they call payment for order flow. Uh, where they sell trade data uh, to certain market makers that you know uh, trade before and after uh, in milliseconds, micro you know micro trades, milliseconds right before and after, and they make you know very very small fees on on very large volumes of trades, and so that's emerged as a new revenue stream for some of these neo brokers, um, and that's basically what subsidizes no fees, uh, sorry no, no brokerage fees. Is it, is it sustainable? I'm not sure. I think the jury is out. And I think that, you know, the, the GameStop situation has, uh, has people thinking about whether they want to uh, invest on platforms that, that do that kind of thing. Uh, and it probably will give rise to, uh, you know, some kind of regulation or at least some thinking about, you know, how, how, it, should, how it should play out. It's not a consideration for us at the moment. We we do we, we have no plans to sell uh, uh, trade data uh, on behalf of our clients, and so it's something that we'll watch, but not something that's in our in our business model for the time being. Okay, okay, fascinating. Uh, when you went to speak, when you put this idea together, and you went to speak to investors, um, what was the kind of insight that you had to show that there is appetite for this type of product in the region? Um, I think if you know the region, you know, uh, it's, it's a good question. I, I'm trying to think back now in July over zoom, what I was telling people <laughs> why they have to, you know, have to give me money very quickly to build this. But it was, uh, um, I think if you know the region, you understand the demographics of the region are incredible, you know, they're truly incredible. You know, again, 70% of the population under the age of 30 is always, you know, is always very, very meaningful to people when, when they, when they understand that the other thing. Uh, that is uh, incredibly important to note here is that not only in the region, but globally, millennial wealth is growing by, you know, three, four, five X by some stats over the next 10, 15, 20 years. That's, that's tremendous. There's a huge windfall of, of uh, wealth that's being passed through to the next, next generation. And that creates a huge opportunity because as actually what we've seen in every industry is that millennials actually want their own brands. And so, you know, the local banks and the international banks and the, you know, old time brokers and all these, you can have new product offerings, but actually what the market calls for or what young people want are brands that really resonate and speak to their values. 
And so it's not, it's not just about, you know, renaming a product or launching a new product. It's, it's actually, they want the whole company to, to kind of resonate with, with their brand, with their values. Um, and so that's the shift that's happening. And so that's the opportunity that we see. And, and that's the brand that we, uh, what, that we aim to create. It's, it's for, uh, for our demographic. Interesting. Yeah, I think I think a lot of that is instinct as well. And having a good backing, you know, someone like you who knows the sort of investment market really well um, is uh, has credibility in, in this space. I think just a kind of question and we usually, I usually keep this for the end in terms of the region as an emerging market, but it's very relative in valuations and investing, um, you know, in any comparison, even the recent uh, Angami IPO, uh, the valuations in this region are a lot uh, smaller than in the US and the US, whether it's Silicon Valley or the, the current fang and the, the, the uh, you know, the tech companies that dominate the market and the values at IPO, it seems to be sort of, um, you know, and, and as you guys have uh, NASDAQ and, and New York Stock Exchange products, that the whole US landscape ethos investing seems and this huge trillion dollar economy uh seems to allow those type of companies uh there as well as a retail investor and we don't have that so in this region so uh, do you, so that's a, i guess the kind of question do you think uh that there will be appetite from this region to invest in us stocks and then a follow-up probably a, a longer one in terms of uh what's happening here but if we take the first one first do you think that uh, people will want to kind of jump on uh, U.S. companies uh, with their savings and investments. I think so. I mean, the, st the stats that we see here is that the the appetite uh, appetite for U.S. products is growing tremendously. We know that in Saudi, for instance, last year um, there was a six x increase in U.S. in the U.S. stock market from Saudi brokers. That's a tremendous number. Um, and so we think that there's a, you know, there's, there's a huge appetite for it. And we, and we think actually, um, it will continue to grow as next gen continue to kind of want to invest and gain more and more of, you know, their, their wealth. Uh, I think that they will continue to allocate to, uh, to not just the U S but international markets as well, as, as well as, you know, local markets. I don't think that that goes away. Um, so yeah, I think that continues to that that market continues to grow for sure. Okay, interesting. And I do want to kind of jump in and talk about the tech startup and ecosystem here. But just uh, before that, when you were advising clients on investments uh, and even al alternative, did you use regional bourses or stock exchanges? And can you just explain that sort of ecosystem for people not familiar with it of, of what stock markets are in the region and how active they are? So uh, I think I'll take the first question around advising clients. Was, was the question, was I advising them about local stock markets? Yeah. Uh, so no, in, in my role previously, I wasn't advising about local stock markets. We were, uh, you know, I was working with international private banks. We were building, uh, um, you know, um, uh, portfolios of, of assets that's, you know, span the world. And so, you know, in some cases there, there was, there were allocations here, but in a lot of cases, it was allocations in, in other parts of, uh, of the world that spend different asset classes. So, you know, real estate, stock markets, alternative asset, uh, assets, private equity, venture capital, all of that. And so our job was building these portfolios. And so building 
resilient portfolios that could withstand sort of uh, financial markets. And, you know, it was more for kind of wealth preservation and, and, and growth over a long period of time. So it was slightly different to, you know, how we think today. Although now, you, you know, by diversifying your stock market portfolio, you can actually build a, quite a resilient portfolio in and of itself. And so I think that's one of the messages that we try to get along, that we try to get over to people is actually, you, you can build your own portfolio uh, if, if you choose to, if you become educated enough to do so, if you buy uh, enough of a, a diversification of assets that, you know, that takes you uh, quite a long way. You don't have to put everything into one stock, right? You don't have to put it into two stocks. There, there's a wide universe there. You know, we're starting with 4,000 securities, you know, buy several of them. You know, you'll be better off over the long term. That's kind of part of the messaging. That's part of the educational piece that we pass along. As mentioned at the start of this episode, Dubai Works is powered by Zbuni. Live with Tracy is a live streaming membership workout program hosted by Tracy Harmouche. It features live chats with wellness experts and is the home of an extraordinary online community which motivates you through new online friendships. Hosted on Zoom at Live with Tracy uses leading digital payments app Zbuni which helps the community to easily play for access to all the live sessions. So, so yeah, that's part of the, uh, you know, the kind of content that we try to uh, get get across to people. I missed your second question, Richard. Sorry. So, no, it's just really related to, uh, and as as part of that answer, why not? Why why hasn't more sort of money from say clients based in this region gone on to the local stock markets and? Uh, yeah, and can you explain the kind of stock market opportunity in this region? I think there's definitely an opportunity in, in markets here in the region. Uh, I, you know, I think there's a number of initiatives that are taking place behind the scenes um, uh, that are, you know, that are trying to spur kind of, uh, uh, you know, stock market activity here in the region. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll see how those play out. But I, I think that in the region, especially in the UAE, uh, there's definitely a, an opportunity there. Um, so we know, for instance, NASDAQ uh, has launched an SME exchange. Would be phenomenal for the region, right? Well, you, we need a place where you, you know young local companies can go public uh, in a way that attracts capital from you know from all over the world. Uh, and so that becomes a great opportunity not only for the UAE but for the for the wider region. And and so we'll, we'll continue to see how those how those shape up. And, you know. I don't know that people haven't been putting money into the market here. It's not something that I, I, I track uh, enough to, to fully you know, comment on. But I think that, uh, it, you know, a, bit, a large part of the local population holds uh, a substantial amount of wealth in the local markets. And so, I mean, I, I don't know that that's, that's gone away. Actually, what we've seen is the MSCI uh, inclusion of the Saudi, Kuwait and, and the UAE in, in, uh, indices has actually, you know, made those economies or made those markets, uh, uh, I wouldn't say boom, but, you know, uh, has lifted them and has drawn international attention to these markets. Mm. So that's a great thing. That's what we need more of, essentially. And there are the three main stock markets and stock exchanges in the region. Is one bigger than the other or do they compete with each other? Uh, I don't know if they compete with each other. I think Tadawal is, is largest by volume. Uh, and that's, you know, not in, you in know, Saudi. That's, yeah. yeah, that's uh, probably by virtue of their uh, size of their economy. Mm. Uh, 
Okay, interesting. Okay, we'll take a quick break, and after uh, we'll talk more about how Faraz has gone around building Baraka and the opportunity for millennials in the region, and also touch on other things like crypto. <laughs> okay, we'll take a quick break. And we're back. Uh, so yeah. So first, we heard about how you how you went around setting up this platform. Um, you seem really relaxed for us. You seem really kind of chilled. Uh, you must have been. It must have been scary or daunting leaving. You know. Uh, you know a traditional sort of investment career. Uh, the opportunities that go along with that to taking this on on your own. Were there a few kind of moments, or has it gone pretty well so far? Look, so far so good, and I, you know, I'll tell you, I've, I've never been more excited to do something. And so, you know, my days are full; they pass by very quickly, um, and it's, uh, uh, you know, just it's a lot of fun more than anything else. And so, when you're having fun, it, it doesn't feel like uh, like work. So good, uh, yeah. And how did you get the right team around you? Did you know a lot of people in the industry, and how how, how is that coming around? Um. Yeah, definitely knew uh, several people in the industry, uh, uh, but you know, just like a, just like any other kind of uh, uh, business, we you know uh, put feelers out there, had conversations with people, um, and we're really trying to bring on the the right people. And so we, we you know we take our time with hiring. We try to bring on people who are equally as passionate about the mission uh, to build this product and to serve, uh, the demographic here in the region. And so we have a great, great bunch of people who are from all walks of life. And I think that's the most interesting thing about our business. Actually, we don't have many people that have worked in finance and, you know, we have a, you know, a graphic designer who's never read a piece of, you know, information about financial markets that now designs for financial markets. We, you know, we brought somebody from, PwC, who you know, who you know, comes from a, a consulting background that you know is now you know building a, a, an an app or an investment business as a startup. Uh, our CTO Kunal is uh, comes from a very traditional background as well. People from all walks of life and creates this amazing diversity in the business, and you can kind of see how we don't approach financial markets like many others and that mm. comes with our content and our look and feel and that's the point you know we want to make it we want to make it more uh relatable yeah it's uh, incredible i saw a stat that i think one of the founders of stripe mentioned when they launched in the uae this week um I'm not sure the exact figure but it was a startling number of the opportunity that they saw for startups and i think uh you and and people like you embody that sort of spirit of uh 
you know, a new wave of sort of millennials building products and platforms for millennials, um, you know, irrespective of what you're doing in terms of that retail investment market, there seems to be um, a real kind of energy around the startup ecosystem at the moment, even if it's on Zoom. Is, is Would you agree with that? Do you think it's we're kind of in a really incredible. exciting, yeah? It's an incredibly exciting time. It's an incredibly exciting time. We see a lot of young companies. We see a lot of companies pivoting. We see a lot of companies uh, switching gears uh, because, you know, one has to be dynamic in, in, in this economy. Um, and, you know, the, you know, people are chasing talent and uh, they're chasing investment dollars and it's all happening in real time. Uh, but it's exciting. It's great. It's great for, it's great for the ecosystem. And so we're seeing a lot of great companies being built and um, it's, it's definitely an exciting time. And your focus very much for us is on the GCC, the, 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 this region, but you're predominantly sort of built in the UAE. Did, did you, are your investors from here? Is your lead investor from here? Is that the approach that you're taking at the moment? So we're, we're very focused on the GCC and MENA broadly um, from, a, from a client or a consumer uh, perspective, but our investors are very diverse. We've got investors, we've got a, uh, got investors from the US, we've got investors from Saudi, we've got investors from here, we've got investors from Hong Kong. We're just bringing on a new set of investors that are incredible, also uh, international. Um, and so the world is paying attention to what's happening here and they're putting their money behind, uh, behind some companies here, which is, which is incredibly exciting. Um, so yeah. How do you juggle the, the different hats that a founder, uh, of course you have to wear them all, but uh, in, in terms of specialty and skill set, you know, uh, we, we see that uh, young companies, it's really important for them to have a sort of a lead VC to kind of help navigate that aspect. And also um, you mentioned you have a CTO to handle the tech and, and, and the thing and those other aspects. Um, where, where are you more focused and where, where are the areas that you kind of feel as if you still need to improve on? Focused on building a great team to handle all of these things. Yeah. I think that's the, that's the key consideration because there's so many different things that we have to, to manage. Mm. Uh, and so that a lot of my time is kind of, uh, is goes to that, you know, uh, trying to build a great team, uh, helping manage the existing team, empowering them to kind of grow in their roles and make decisions um, but then otherwise I focus primarily on the business. So marketing, um, uh, anything to do with regulation, all of that is kind of in my remit. Kunal, who's our CTO, is very focused on technology. And that's kind of how we kind of think about, uh, okay. uh, the, the company. Okay. And you, you raised a seed round of, I think was reported of a million dollars, uh, and you mentioned new investors. Is that a, a series A or what's the kind of roadmap or appreciate if some of it is undisclosed so we raised the <laughs> we raised the pre-seed round okay uh before we had a product and before we were, we were ready to uh, uh launch essentially uh that's all been fully disclosed and and uh we are now uh, uh raising an undisclosed seat. an undisclosed period yeah okay <laughs> okay fair enough uh, there's a lot of transparency around that like you know not everyone kind of discloses everything i think that's part of the maturity of the region but you guys are obviously sharing a lot of content and information as well yeah
how important is it? I know that you have a, a lot of content out there. You've been launched uh, for a while and you're getting ready to release the, the app uh, that you can trade on from that day. How important is it to have a perfect app and product from day one? Or will you be, you know, do you think people will be forgiving and it's an iterative... There's always going to be improvements, right? I mean, we've we've given up on building the perfect app from day one, but we, you know, we've done our best to to get it to where it is now. And then there will be continuous improvement as we go down uh, this life cycle. And you see that with even more established apps uh, that are kind of, you know, uh, go through updates and and um, new features and new products. And so that will be a, that's just a natural progression. Um, Obviously, the things that we do prioritize today is safety, security, all of that, absolutely no compromise on, on those things. Product, product, look and feel, that will evolve. Yeah. Uh, that will continue to evolve, yeah. So do you have a timeline of when the app will launch and then the process? Is it a typical sort of, is it like I'm setting up a... digital. And so, the, you know, that you have to submit documentation like you would for any other account, but it'll all be through, uh, through your phone. You'll be able to open up an account in real time. Um, and so that will, you know, generally be, you know, five to 10 minutes, uh, and, and then you'll be set up. Um, in terms of when we're going to launch the app, very soon. Very soon. Good, good. we're waiting. <laughs> no, but I, I think I was sort of ask about the, what you see as success, but firstly around, uh, product positioning and what you want people to know uh, Baraka as in terms of, I, I saw you guys did a nice clubhouse with Sarwa, which is a very good uh, investment uh, type firm. And then there are other fintech, consumer facing fintech products uh, launching in, in the market. What what sort of, and you didn't completely shy away from the mention of Robin Hoods. Is that, is that something that, uh, you know, positioning, is that what you want people to think of Baraka as? As what? As a comparison to Robinhood, as a, so, so something that a retail investment uh, platform. I think that's, I mean, no, actually. What, what we want people to think is Baraka is Baraka. And so, you know, however that resonates with people, that's how they should think about the app. What we are is a local you know, investment platform for millennial investors. And so our first product is commission-free U.S. stock investing. We'll build other products, but what we really want is people to, you know, appreciate and understand the amount of content and the amount of um, uh, product that we put out there for them to, you know, become better investors, to become more confident, to, to really take control of, of their own investment portfolios and and their own financial well-being. That's mm -hmm. what we really want. So, however they associate that with which with, with, with whatever brand, that's fine. But yeah. ultimately, what they want, what we want, is for them to associate, associate that with Baraka. You know, we didn't go out with a robo advisory product. Uh, we're, we're not asking for people to give us, you know, fees on a monthly basis. Uh, that that's not what we've been doing for a long period of time, and that's not how we, you know, how we uh, want to establish our brand. Our brand is for people to really take control, uh, learn understand, develop themselves. Um, and and that, that's, that's the big part of uh, the big part of our proposition, essentially. Amazing. Yeah. And you're definitely different. I didn't mean that as a 
definitely a comparison but you know uh, and i'm probably guilty of it how some people will compare of the ex of the middle east and we don't want that of course uh and it but i really there is a point of you know being focused not being focused again wrong word but uh people knowing what you can do when you get there for example uh in terms of content there there are uh there are media companies in the us that have kind of built on top of this cohort uh, because there's passion around that and they monetize that content and they monetize that media um, and I guess uh, a lot of kind of strategy in terms of customer acquisition is build a community first and then acquire uh, but there's another way around it of you know build a product first and once people land and discover then it's very clear that okay this is a streaming service there is no community um, take my money sort of thing. What was your sort of thinking with uh, going into so much detail around content? And do you think that is part of a customer acquisition? I think, you know, you, when, you, when you started the show, you mentioned that we have this newsletter. And so what's interesting is we're putting out stuff that people want. And so that's resonating, right? And so what, when we looked at the wider landscape and we thought, what is going to get people to invest or get them to think about investing? There was, there was a big piece around content uh, that felt like there were, you know, people were missing in the region. Um, when we surveyed, I don't know, 100 people, they told us, hey, what we really want is content that is financial in nature that I can understand. And so we took that away and thought about many different ways to produce that content. And we, you know, we started with the newsletter um, and it just kind of grew organically. Um, and, and so, uh, you know, I don't, we don't think about, you know, wider acquisition strategies. So basically, again, it's going back to our theme of empowering investors, giving you content that, you know, builds your confidence, gets you motivated about, uh, about, you know, following the news, tracking, tracking your favorite companies, all of that. That's what it takes, right? Investing is not just giving money, you know, into, uh, you know, a service provider on a monthly basis or whatever. The best thing is if you really want to do it properly, you have to, you have to follow the markets. You have to read about, you know, uh, you know, certain uh, techniques about investing. There's, there's a whole universe there. And mm -hmm. so what we're trying to do is build that universe. And so that's yeah. kind of how we think about it. Definitely. And it's risky and there's lots of education that's needed around money and, and the mistakes that people can make. So it's, it's good to have that service uh, as well. So speaking about some of the kind of uh, trends that are currently in retail investing, uh, the, it's been as you mentioned at, at the start you know that there's not really a correlation between what we think is a global pandemic and all-time highs and valuations of companies um over the last 12 months um how do you for us explain that like what why, what do you think is going on at the moment there's been a lot of liquidity that's been pumped into the market. And so it's finding a home, uh, it's finding a home in, in some stock markets, essentially, um, in some cases. Um, and so it's, it's part of, it's just the market, it's the market dynamic that's, that's taking place right now. Uh, you know, you've got interest rates at zero in the U S uh, I think they've announced that they will continue to remain at zero for the next year or two. And so that means that there's a lot of liquidity that that's, uh, that's available. Um, also, I mean, for a long period of time, now we're starting to come out of this phase, but for about a year, people were at home, you know, uh, they weren't really, you know, spending money on leisure as, as you would have seen in the uh, cruise ship stocks, the, you know, the movie theater stuff, all of that, you know, they took a, a massive nosedive. And so you were at home 
And so people were investing. I think that's a big part of it. Um, and, and so we'll see how the market kind of, uh, how the market recovers. But the, I think the most, the, the most interesting point to take away from this is that if you were investing in technology stocks or you continue to invest in technology stocks or kind of new age stocks, what you, what you saw over the last period was actually they accelerated in growth, right? You know, because basically everything we did was digital uh, and those stocks really just, you know, uh, it, they really kind of came into their own and basically have become massive companies over the last year. Uh, and so if you had, if you had invested with that thesis in mind that these are going to be companies of the future, basically all that happened was their growth was just accelerated over a, over a one year period for the most part, you know, mm. zoom for instance, what an incredible story, right? You know, everybody's been using zoom now, uh, and their revenue has just spiked. And so, uh, a lot of people saw that trend and invested alongside and, and, and grew their portfolio along with it. Interesting. Yeah, I think yeah, and, and nice to explain that in simple terms. And also that the companies that did well with retail investors were the well-known names. So the even though Zoom had a, there was another Zoom <laughs> on some other stock market exactly. that got confusion about. You got to uh, pay attention. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. Um, but yeah, those those sort of uh, you know, would you? It'll be interesting the data that you guys get when you launch to see what the demand will it be in the Zooms and the Teslas and the and the Netflixes and things like that. Um, and so just touching on that and uh, going into uh, another trend that we saw a lot of was this reverse merger or SPAC or or pipe. Uh, and we actually we saw Angami do that to kind of list on the on the Nasdaq from right. here. Is that is that um? How do you view that as well? Is it something that you know you saw coming over the years? Do you think it's again fueled by liquidity, or do you think it's a new way to to list as well as kind of initial public and direct? Um, is it fueled by liquidity? Probably in some part. Uh, it you know obviously it wouldn't really function well if there was if there wasn't enough liquidity in the market. However, I think where it's really fueled is by you know this kind of. Uh, interest by retail investors. And so going back to the theme of retail investing, this is part of that theme. You know, a lot of, a lot of these companies are sold initially uh, to retail investors. And uh, it's interesting. It's an interesting way to, for investors to get access to companies, um, uh, you know, new companies that, that not, not through a listing, but through a SPAC. Uh, so that's one of the themes. There's there's a lot more interest from retail investors to take these positions on. I think the other big theme that that is very interesting is that almost like this disintermediation of of investment banks that tend to take these companies public. What you're seeing now is actually the companies are just you know uh, you know listing on the exchange themselves through a direct listing or through a SPAC through a sponsor, uh, and so there it's just a different way uh, to get to the market. Ultimately, more companies getting to the market is potentially a good thing, as long as they're good companies. I mean, obviously, we don't talk about the health of the companies, that they're all very subject to, to the underlying fundamentals of each. Uh, but, it, you know, if, if you believe in the capital markets and, you know, you, you want more companies in the markets and, and more retail investors or more investors generally owning small pieces of those companies, that's potentially a good thing, gives people more diversification, more, more uh, opportunities to invest. Mm. Interesting. And uh, are you very much focused on securities and, and stock markets or will you be looking at the 
sort of uh, cryptocurrencies and other uh, coins uh, on your platform? Look, I think it's something that's, uh, that's, that we'll watch. Uh, it's a very interesting space. Um, you know, we could have another whole conversation about NFTs. I think it's an incredible, uh, incredible space that's emerging and it will power a lot of other, uh, a lot of other kind of industries. It's more of an overlay than, you know, than a, a single asset, if you will. I mean, you can, you can kind of NFT anything. Yeah. Which is, maybe somebody eventually will NFT this conversation and, you know, you'll, <laughs> you know, that's, you know, it sounds crazy, but very possible in some, in some weird way. And that just, that just opens up a world of opportunities. And so uh, we're seeing that, you know, we're seeing a whole new emergence of, uh, of uh, asset classes. It's not just, you know, it's, it's, it's everything. Mm. Uh, and so that becomes very exciting. So it's not something that uh, it's something that we'll continue to watch essentially. What do you think are the, are the watch? Uh, so the kind of cautious points for investors or for even uh the financial market over the coming out of this pandemic with so much liquidity with so much uh cash being printed basically uh what where should the caution be leverage watch how much leverage you have in your portfolio be responsible invest responsibly don't take on too much you all you know i don't you can't speak to each individual person you know how much leverage they take but be responsible in how you invest. It's incredibly important. You know, leverage is interesting on the way up. You know, it gives you an opportunity to make money, uh, more money than you would if you had, you know, your own capital at work. But it's extremely detrimental on the way down. And I think a lot of young people don't understand the consequences of having, of being highly levered. Uh, and that's a lesson that, you know, uh, that people need to learn um, uh, by, by, you know, educating themselves. And so I think that's the number one thing. A lot of a lot of these issues tend to arise because of over uh, over leveraged systems. Um, so that that is the the one piece of advice that I would say is be careful. Be careful with with that. Right. It's good advice for someone who's been in the industry a long time. And good that we ended on a cautionary note rather than all the enthusiasm. But it's really nice to speak to you for us this morning and we'll definitely follow the Baraka story and uh, yeah, keep up the good work and we look forward to following your growth. Thank you, much appreciated. Thank you. Thank you. This show was powered by Zmuni. Once again, a big thank you to them to help us provide this content to you for free. Also thank you to our producer, Yana Kalashikova, editor Alibaba. Please do check out more Dubai Works episodes and other shows over on smashy.tv. You can follow us on social media and download our app, which is available on iOS, Android, and all good smart TVs. See you next week.